Church, good evening. How are we? Are we all well? Fantastic, fantastic. I'm great. I've, I've just come back from a weekend away in, uh, in Conway. And uh, I was saying to Fat Man and Earl before that um, I was leading the communion service this morning in a beautiful house in Conway. And it was lovely to sense the presence of God in that communion service. But you know something? I missed home. I missed home. When you're singing songs like, there is a green hill far away, you kind of, you kind of start, now no, look, I'm not, this is, that's a great song, it's a fantastic hymn, um, but you do miss, uh, you know, home and church, and uh, so it's great to be back, and it's good to see you all, and uh, we're small in number tonight, but uh, we say every week that you make, you made a great decision to come, and I believe God's going to honour you even more tonight for coming. If you'll open your heart to what God's got to say to you, I believe that there's something here which will change your world, change your world, change your thinking uh, and change your outlook on life. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is something that really, to be perfectly honest with you, whenever I preach, I normally preach from a background of experience and testimony. And so I'll use something from my life, normally my family, maybe church, maybe work or something like that, and I'll bring it into bear so people can relate to what I'm saying through the Word of God. I'm going to struggle to do that tonight, and the reason is, is that I'm speaking on what's called, get this, the truth about life after death. (laughs) I think I've been given a gimme, don't you? The truth about life after death. And the thing is, because I've never been dead, I've got no experience and I've got no testimony at all to be able to give you about life after death. But actually, it's extremely important that we look at the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about life after death. It can be... A quite a scary subject because we don't even think, generally speaking, about life after death. For us that know Jesus Christ, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. We don't, we don't really think about it because we know and we have this conviction in our hearts and in our souls uh, and this anchor which says we're already in anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I'm not feared of death. Why should I be feared of death? Because Jesus has done it on the cross for me and he takes away that fear the scripture says perfect love casts out all fear perfect love now if you don't have that perfect love this evening you're going to be sat there and you're going to be fearful of death and I want you to leave this place tonight not being fearful of death okay and so we're just going to look at some some scriptures surrounding death now I'm going to talk about life after death because that's the subject but I've got to tell you that there is an alternative to life after death in Christ and the alternative is this it's hell okay that's the truth of the matter we don't speak about hell very often and I'm not going to glorify the devil tonight but I've got to tell you the truth And I'm going to tell you the truth. And then once I've gone through that little portion of Scripture, we're then going to move on to what the Bible tells us about life after death. And so I'm going to start with, I haven't given this uh, to Tracy, but I want to use this portion of Scripture to tell you about, a little bit about hell. 
And what the Bible says about Helen is a story or an account, should I say, of a man um, called Lazarus. Uh, and if we look in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 19, I'm just going to read uh, a few verses from there. Now, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was a, uh, laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came, came and licked his sores. Can you imagine that? The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, there is between us and you a great chasm that has been set in place, so those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. Five things about hell, okay? Number one, it's a place of torment. It's a place of torment. And my heart for, for my brothers and sisters is that you are not tormented. My heart is that you're not vexed. My heart is that, that you are set free uh, from the things that beset you and cause you to be in a place of torment. The world is full of torment. It's full of people in torment. It's full of people who need a saviour. It's full of people who are living a life which is leading them towards a destiny of hell that's not what God created you and me for God created you and me for much more than that he created you and me that we would have life and not only have life but have abundant life so why would you want to live a life of torment when God is offering the free gift of salvation and he's offering eternal life there's no there's no comparison He said, have pity on me. Have pity. Do you want to be a pitiful person? Do you want people to have pity on you, to be, to be pitied for the rest of your days? I certainly don't. I don't want to be a pitiful person. 
I want to be a person that's thriving. I want to be a person that is, is in love with Christ, is moving in the Holy Ghost, is moving according to the will of Christ for me and for this church and for the people in this church. I don't want to see death in this place. I want to see life in this place. And I want to see life in all its fullness. Now, the thing about life and death, I don't know if you, you've, you've thought about this, but actually there are two deaths and two lives that you can have. Okay? The first death, okay, is when you give your life to Christ. It says that we are dead in transgressions and sins. And we have to turn from our sins and we have to turn from ourselves and we have to become that new creation. And so the old is gone and the new has come. That's the first death and that's the first life. The second death, that's a spiritual death, that's a spiritual rebirth. The second death is when we die naturally, our bodies give up. Okay? And you have a choice when your bodies give up where you're going to go and who you're going to be with uh, into eternity. You can either choose life or you can choose or an eternal life or you can choose eternal death he asked for water he asked for water and no wonder he asked for water because in hell there's a burning fire and it's so hot that he constantly needs water to cool him down But in heaven, he'll have a river of life. And that river of life will not only kill you down, it will sustain you because you'll be going to the Father and the Son day in, day out, praising God, worshipping Jesus, and that your life will never be the same again. If you think this is great, you want to you see heaven. You want to see heaven. It's going to be absolutely off the scale. The guy was in agony. He was in eternal agony. Now, at this moment in time, I'm getting some treatment for a trapped nerve. And when my trapped nerve plays me up, I'm in agony. But it only lasts for a short time. And then it goes away. And I'm sure that you, uh, in here this evening, at some point in your lives, have had some physical agony. And you can tell me how bad it was and how painful it was. And to the point sometimes that you feel like conking out because the pain is that unbearable. Well, let me tell you, when you, when you get to hell, that's going to be your, your, your portion for the rest of your days. Is that something that you want? Is that something that I want? Is that something that... We, we desire, is that something that God wants you to have? No. He doesn't want you to be in agony. He, he wants you to be fully and utterly set free. And if they do not listen, listen to this. If they do not listen, it says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. If they do not listen, if they do not listen to Barry or Vicky or Fatman or Io or Tony, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That means that there's going to be times in our, in our church where people will not listen and it will not get through to them.
because they're choosing not to. But I want to encourage every single heart in here to choose to listen week in, week out to the word because the word is able to get through anything and everything in your world which is causing you problems. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, the word of God. And it breaks powerful. It's extremely powerful, more powerful than anything in the world. And so therefore, my encouragement is, whenever you're hearing the word of God, whether it's here, whether it's in life groups, whether it's one-to-one with somebody, listen. But don't just listen. Respond. Respond. Because when the worship team are playing, if, if nobody sang, if nobody sang, how would they be encouraged? How could you learn something? I'm singing there tonight and I'm singing God's praises and I'm, I can feel the presence of God. And that's because the worship team have the presence of God. The worship team have the desire that me and you should receive. And when we receive, we want to give back. We want to shout our hallelujahs. We want to shout our amens because we're receiving something back. Because we're responding to what God is doing through them. And so, when you hear the word of God, listen to it, test it. Test it and respond to it. Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other ear. This is why these folks, our pastors tell us week in, week out, write it down. Don't just write it down, go home, put it in the bin. Write it down and go and get down on your hands and knees before the Lord of, Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and say, what is my response to this? What do I need to learn about this? How can I be blessed through this? And so let's move on to life after death. Now, I'm doing this from a Christian perspective. So I need to precede that and say that if you are a Christian in this place tonight, you have an assurance of eternal salvation. You have, etern- you have an assurance of eternity with Christ. But, here's the but. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. What does that mean? Well, that means that the Holy Spirit has got to do something in you in order to be able to be called a new creation. In order to be somebody who has a new life and is full of the Holy Spirit and is living Christ's life, not my life or your life that you are living. You cannot get to heaven being a good person. You can't get to heaven just by simply coming to church. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to follow him day in, day out, week in, week out. He has to be above all in your life. And I mean all. He has to be the first in everything in your life. And so... That's the first prerequisite, that you have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to have that connection. You have to know his presence. 
And if you can honestly say this evening that you are in that relationship, that you are born again, well then you will know, even though you are not there yet, that that is where you are going and where you are headed. If you do not have that this evening, my urge to you would be to make your peace with God. Because we always say, don't we, we are not promised a tomorrow. So tonight, if you do not know Jesus as your personal saviour, if you know that you have to make your peace with him, if you know that you are leading and living a sinful life and you need your sins forgiven, well, Jesus did it on the cross. He paid the price. He's the only one that did. He paid the price so that you might live and have eternal life and that you can turn around and start living for Jesus and not living for yourself. And once you do that, then you have the guarantee of eternal life. Now, if we look at John chapter 11, and we got this, Tracy, I think we've probably got this uh, portion of Scripture. John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 17 to 27. Oh, no, we read that one already. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sorry, John chapter 11. I'm getting a bit confused. I apologise. Old age kicking in. Um, John chapter 11, 17 to 27. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I'm not going to go any further on. I am the resurrection and the life. That's Jesus speaking. And if you believe in him, you will live even though you die. Now, how does that work? Strange one, that, isn't it? Well, Jesus, as we all know, three days later after he died, he rose again. And he said that it's through me that you will rise again. I've had to go through it first so that you can go through it after me. And so the scripture tells us that when Jesus comes again, that we will rise again. There will be a resurrection of those who believe in Jesus and are saved. That's what will happen. There will be a resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. It's in him you will find the resurrection life. In nobody else.
I want to turn to the book of Revelation because this is this 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 portion of scripture will equip you and give you some great promises for when it's our time. So in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. We're going to read first of all from verse 1 to 10 and then from 17 to 27. And this is what I'm majoring on in terms of what happens to us when we die. And what can we expect when we die? What can we expect as Christians when Jesus comes again? And if you don't get excited by this, I urge you to get very excited because it's very exciting. It really is. It's headed a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. Wow. I saw the holy city of a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, I know Fatman was covering that kind of thing this morning, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to the fairy lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then if we move on to verse 17... Sorry, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those 
whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Number one. All things in the new heaven are new. Everything in heaven will be new. You'll never have seen it before. Do you hanker these days? I know I do sometimes hanker for new things. I've just been to Primark yesterday and bought a load of clothes for about 50 quid. <laughs> and, and they're all new. And, and I sometimes hanker for things and maybe sometimes that I shouldn't hanker for. But do you desire things that are new? We all desire things that are new, it might be. We all desire them. We all want them. Whatever that and when you get to heaven, everything will be new. Number two, there will be no more tears or pain. No more tears or pain. There's not one person in this room who can tell me that you've never cried in your life. I was crying this afternoon as I was coming back from Conway and my foot was on the clutch for about three quarters of an hour in roadworks and my leg was giving me jip because of my, uh, because of my back and uh, it was so painful. So I was in tears. You may have been in tears because of the death of a loved one. You may have been in tears because you've lost your job or you see somebody in your family who is hurting. We all cry, but when we get to heaven, there won't be any need for that anymore. There won't be any need for any operations anymore. You won't need to go to the hospital because you'll be perfect. This body of ours will be absolutely perfect. And I don't know if any of you are suffering at the moment through pain and through injury in your body. Hey, that's not saying that God doesn't heal. He does heal. Of course he heals. And when we get to heaven, there will be perfect peace. I spoke about peace a few weeks ago, didn't I, if you remember? Perfect peace. Absolutely, there'll be no more wars. There'll be no more wars in heaven. There'll be no more worrying about wars. There'll be no more First World War, Second World War, Crimean War, whatever the war might be. There'll be no more of that. Sounds good to me. Jesus said to his disciples, do you know what? When you get to, to heaven, I'm going ahead of you and I'm going to prepare for you some mansions. I've already put my bid in for an eight-bedroom <laughs> with a jacuzzi and a swimming pool. But the promise is, he's gone ahead of us and he's going to prepare mansions. That means that you're going to live in houses. I don't know what your thought of heaven is. I don't know if you're thinking about a little angel playing with a little harp, you know, on the clouds, etc., etc. Heaven is real. It's a real place where real people will live and be in harmony. It's a real place. It's not some fairy place somewhere out of space. It's a new heaven and a new earth. In Isaiah, it tells us 
that there will be fruitful gardens. I, mean, I can't wait to be plucking these fruits off the trees. I'll have ten of them, please. Thank you very much. Don't say what the fruits are. <laughs> and here's the, the, the great thing that I, I find, and I'm, I can't wait for this to happen. But believe it or not, and the word says it, so we believe it, we're going to get a new body. Yeah. Right. We're going to get a new body. Right. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm thinking Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> be more like Jesus it'll be more like Jesus and the great thing about it is I actually believe you might tell me I'm wrong here but I actually believe that we're going to look something like we do now because you remember when Jesus died and rose again and appeared to his disciples it was the same body God didn't say, oh, I think I'll send somebody else. Now, yes, you might say, hey, but Tony, they were kept from recognising him, but there was a purpose in that. But I'm convinced that Jesus would have looked exactly the same when he appeared to his disciples as he did when he he, he died and rose again. Just as a subplot to that, I was speaking this morning on communion. I'm just going to leave this thought in there. Nothing to do with the preach, but... Do you remember when, when, when Jesus died and on the cross and it says that the, te- the, 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 the curtains of the temple was torn in two. And uh, it says that the, the, the bodies of many dead men rose from the dead and went into the city. I wonder what you'd think if a load of dead men came walking towards your city. What kind of conversation would you have with them? I can't get, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around what I'd say to them. But the centurion said, surely this is the son of God. Just a thought I had this morning. I wonder what kind of conversations they had. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what the people thought when they saw all these dead people walking towards them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, anyway, I digress. There will be many intelligent beings in heaven. God created the heavens and the earth. So there will be many intelligent beings. Here's a cracker. Perfect love will govern all relationships. God's perfect love will govern all relationships. There will not be, there will not be any disagreements. There will not be any schisms. There will not be any church hopping. There will not be any arguments about worship, what songs we should sing, what songs we shouldn't sing. It will be perfect. And we'll all be singing the same song to the Lamb of God. And there will be a new earth. New heaven, a new earth, coming down from heaven, Zion, a new Jerusalem, and we will all live together in harmony. Now, 
It doesn't tell us exactly how things are going to work out. It doesn't tell us who's going to fix the plumbing and all that kind of stuff. But we don't need to worry about that. Because what God's written already in the scriptures is enough for us to be jubilant about. There's enough for us to, to be excited about. It's enough for us to recognise that when we get to heaven, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Now, I've given you hell. I've given you a little taste of heaven. What's stopping you going to this side? Because there will become a day when you have no choice. There will come a day when it's too late. There will come a day when you will be the rich man. And there will come a day when you'll be the Lazarus. Are you a Lazarus or are you a rich man? If you are a rich man this evening, or a rich woman, or a rich child, there's going to come a day when you will not be able to move. It'll be too late. And so today, or this evening, if you have not put your heart, mind, body, soul at rest with Jesus, I urge you to do so. I, I beseech you to do so. Because I've given you the hell perspective and the heavenly perspective. I want to start running towards this one. Yeah. I want to start running towards this one. If God took me tonight, I'd be delighted. Absolutely delighted. Paul said, didn't he, the apostle, he said, which shall I choose? Here on earth, go and join Jesus. He knew that going to join Jesus was the best option. But he also knew he had a job to do on the earth. What job have you got to do on the earth tonight before you go and join Jesus? What job have I got to do on the earth tonight before I go and join Jesus? And so, we're going to wrap it up with the worship team. Oh, Angie, shall I start again? <laughs> Is the worship team here? Oh, they're coming. Oh, there we are. There's, there's my friend. Is it just you tonight? Is it? Ah, oh, they're on the back, okay. What time is it? Oh, I'll be quick. There you go. Um, but church, there is so much excitement. I've tried to give you a taste and a flavour of what heaven will be like, the truth about life after death. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to worry about death if your life is hidden in Christ. If your life is hidden in Christ, you're on the way to eternity. If it's not, get yourself right. We're not weird people. Well, some of us are. Maybe me. But we have a love and we have a desire because God said that he loved the world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you want eternal life? Do you have eternal life? There's so much for you here on earth, but so much more in heaven.
tonight you can have both. Tonight you can have the life here on earth in abundance with the knowledge that when you leave this earth you have eternal life with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hey, your choice, not mine. Bless you.